Welcome to the Vital Health Podcast. I'm Jodie Duval and I'm a functional naturopath in Perth, WA. This is a place where you can expand your knowledge on how to optimise your health and realise your full potential. We'll have cutting-edge information with expert guests and having lots of fun along the way. Get ready to be empowered and motivated to reach your higher vitality and find your ultimate potential. Let's go! Hello everyone. So today this topic we're talking about is a big one. Fasting is one of the most powerful tools for unlocking your body's self-healing power. Dr. Mindy and I discuss the what, the when and how of fasting, how to correctly fast and more importantly for women how it is different at different stages of life, how it can be used to help balance hormones and live with the best possible health. Dr. Mindy makes fasting both fun and accessible for everyone. So if you have questions around fasting or are interested or are even an experienced faster, faster, faster and want to get the best out of your fasting, then this is the episode for you. We discuss how Mindy became a fasting expert, why we should fast, what the benefits of fasting are, achieving metabolic flexibility through fasting, plus lots, lots more. Dr. Mindy is a best-selling author, nutrition and functional medicine expert who spent over two decades helping thousands of people successfully reclaim their health. She is a recognized leader in the alternative health field and pioneer in the fasting movement, teaching the principles of a fasting lifestyle, diet variation, detox, ketabolic eating, hormones and more. Her popular YouTube channel combines the latest in science with practical lifestyle tools that every person can use to reset their health. She is the founder of Reset Academy, a private membership group dedicated to creating a fasting lifestyle, and she is the host of one of the leading science podcasts, The Resetter Podcast, and the author of three best-selling books, The Menopause Reset, The Reset Factor, and The Reset Kitchen. It was an absolute pleasure talking to Dr. Mindy, and we know you're going to get lots out of this one. Okay, so I have Dr. Mindy Peltz here with me today. So thank you so much for coming on, Mindy. I appreciate your time today, and welcome to the show. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I I appreciate being here, and um, just, yeah, like... Like we mentioned, I really love the opportunity to talk about women's health, especially through menopause and fasting. This will, this is going to be good. Yeah, absolutely. So let's dig it straight in. And I, I want to first find out a little bit why or how you got into this passion of yours. What sort of led yeah. you to this point? I always like to, to start with this because I think it's a really good um, way of the audience catching up to, to sort of your, your reasonings behind why you're talking about what you do. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. So this is the way I always, the way I I look at it is when I hit 40, I really was living what I think most people would call a healthy life, you know, eating good food, exercising a whole lot. Uh, My kids were young. um, I got good sleep. um, You know, I've seen a chiropractor getting acupuncture. Like I was doing everything like that was, that was considered good for a healthy life. Wasn't on any medications. And um, I really came into 40 in the best shape, mental, physical shape I've ever been in. By 43, I was not sleeping. I was depressed. I was irritable. Uh, I even had thoughts of suicide. I was like something had totally robbed my health in that three years. 
And it was subtle at the beginning, but then it just kept coming and kept coming. I would wake up drenched at night, just hot flashes. I'd have to get up and change the, the sheets of my bed. And so I really went searching for answers. And what I found was the first point of asking other women like, hey, did this happen to you at 43? I got a lot of my friends that just sort of chuckled and they looked at me and they were like, buck up, you're going through menopause. This is just the way it's going to be. And I thought, I'm 43. Like, yeah. that, like I shouldn't be going through menopause at 43. So then I, I went to my mom because I remember when my kids were born, uh, the midwife saying, you know, they're, you're more similar to your sister and to your mother. Your hormones will mimic uh, uh, their, their pattern. My mom, I don't know if she had amnesia or what was going on, but she's like, I don't know, menopause was a no, not, a no deal for me. And my sister basically said, oh yeah, you're going to need to get on some antidepressants. It's a pretty wild ride. So I, I didn't like any of those. I mean, I liked my mom's option. I just didn't know how to get there. And I didn't want to buck up and just grin and bear it. And I didn't want to get on um, an antidepressant. And one night I was sitting at uh, my kid's science fair and one of the other mothers was an OB mm-hmm. and I just happened to turn to her and I was like, hey, you know, I hate to talk shop, but can, I'm having these symptoms. Can you kind of give me an idea of what I should do? And her response changed the trajectory of my life because she turned and she looked at me and she said, Mindy, I have a practice full of women with your symptoms and my medical textbooks have failed me. I have literally no idea what to do other than to write you a prescription for a medication, put you on an antidepressant, but I don't even know if that's the right answer, but this is an epidemic for women. Uh, We have got to figure this out. So she then turned it on me and said, what are you doing naturally? Mm. And we ended up that put me on a path to understand what happens to women in their, in her forties. What is it that's changing? And I I'm 51 now. Um, I have identified five different things. One of them is fasting. I was a eat all day gal at that point. I thought breakfast was the most important meal of the day. Um, And so it really launched me down this path to understand what happens to us after 40. And from there, you know, once I figured out my, like here I am at 51 and I kind of laugh, like I went into, I thought I was going into menopause at 51. It's like, I don't think I'm going into menopause anytime soon because I I corrected my lifestyle and then my hormones followed. Amazing. Wow. There is so much I want to go into from that. (laughs) Where do I start? Right. Let's start with fasting because that's one of the things that you mentioned and then we'll dive into menopause and some of your um, little things that you've mentioned. Obviously, before um, the audience would have already known, but we do have um, multiple books that you've written. (laughs) Yeah. You've written The Menopause Reset, which is your most recent, and The Reset Factor and The Reset Kitchen. So I'll get you to give me a little bit of a rundown right at the end for that. But first, let's dive into fasting and particularly women's fasting, because there is a lot of research out there on men in fasting, Mm. but there is not a lot of research out there with women in fasting. So... What have you found? Um, and then we can dive into a little bit more detail about each part portions of fasting as well. Yeah. Well, you're absolutely right. The the research on, well, the research on humans and fasting mm. is lacking. Yeah. So uh, I always say to people like, you, you know, if we get a mouse study, like at least it gets us in the ballpark. Like at least we have some idea. 
if we get a man study, we're getting a little bit closer, and there are very, very few women studies. Yeah. Um, most of them are meta-analysis type situations where they like they look at big groups of women. Yeah. So the most popular one for women that I really love to talk about is women with breast cancer. That they found that um, women that had breast cancer, um, if they went through traditional treatment. And then they followed that up with just something as simple as intermittent fasting for 13 to 15 hours. They could their, their reoccurrence of breast cancer um, went down by 70 percent. Wow, which is crazy, <laughs> crazy, <gasps> right? I know, and I'm like, why don't we talk about this? Yeah. So then, when I when I saw that study, I thought, well, what if I don't want breast cancer? I don't have to go through treatment to get that kind of result. I don't have to have that diagnosis. How about I just start intermittent fasting? Yeah. So I, I think why what I'm seeing in our communities of why it's working so well is that we become, as estrogen goes down, we become very insulin resistant. And so we need more techniques to keep ourselves uh, more insulin sensitive. Yeah. I really truly wish that I could tap every 40-year-old woman on the shoulder and be like, okay, get ready because the tricks that you did at 35 aren't going to work for you at 45. Mm. And one of those tricks is eating all day. Mm. So intermittent fasting and this, and this study is incredible. I mean, there are other great studies on fasting, but this one was particularly on women. Um, really give us hope that we can start to balance just one, even one hormone like estrogen just by doing 13 to 15 hours of fasting. That's amazing. So I think it's good that you've even already pointed out the fact that we need to do different techniques at different ages. And obviously that hormonal balancing is really important. And I want to dive into that before that point in time, just so we get some context there. Context. Is there, is there benefit for fasting before the age of 40? Do you think? For yep. Yeah. This is my next book coming out next year. <laughs> Cause so what, what happened is I went to my YouTube channel. I started teaching everybody, all the perimenopause, postmenopausal women, how to fast. And all the ones under 40 were like, Hey, what about us? <laughs> so here's the most simple way I can explain it. Um, we really should be fasting and we should be exercising. We should be eating in accordance to our cycle. So if you're under 40, the most simple way I can explain this is that from day one of your cycle to day 10, you need to make estrogen and you need to be insulin sensitive to make estrogen. Mm -hmm. So you can do a lot of fasting. You can do a lot of keto. You can put yourself in more uh, what we call hormetic stressors and your body will do really well in that first half of your cycle. When you ovulate between day 10 to 15, you have all these hormones surging through you. You really shouldn't go into a long fast. 13 to 15 hours will be great. You should focus on your microbiome because you, that's a whole other discussion. It breaks down estrogen and you can utilize your estrogen more. So in the ovulation window, just stick to intermittent fasting um, and really focus on the foods that will improve your microbiome. After ovulation, you have a weird little five-day window where you can go back into any extreme fasting. You can do a 24-hour. If you want to do a three-day water fast, you could do it then. And then the real key is day 20, our body makes progesterone. And progesterone is very sensitive to hormetic stressors, to stress of any kind. Mm. So that is the week before your cycle. You should not be fasting you should not be going keto. You should be leaning into more uh, nourishing foods that build progesterone up, like beans and potatoes and 
uh, squashes are incredible, uh, citrus fruits, berries, tropical fruits. These are, these are foods that are going to help you make progesterone. Mm -hmm. And then once you, you start your cycle again, you can go back into more of the carb, lower carb, more of the fasting, and you just keep, we call it the fasting circle, where you just keep going around the circle. Mm -hmm. And if you do that, I really strongly believe you'll come into 40 really in a good place. Yeah. It's, and so that's really, and, and even the five things I lay out in the menopause reset, like if we just acknowledge that if we go in with a really clean lifestyle, for, the menopause will already be better for us. Yeah, 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 totally agree. And some of that, some of those things that I hear even in my clinic that women just feel like they tend to go towards naturally in those parts of their cycle, but they're not listening, they're not tuned in or they're not actually paying attention. So if they actually did some of those things, then they would be, they're just trying to eat as normal every single day of their life. And I'm like, no, 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 you gotta listen. And that's why you're yeah. listening. That's why you're getting those cravings as such for those things that you should should actually be eating. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I, always la I always laugh that like, as I was putting everything together after 43, trying to figure out what my lifestyle at, at 47, I started going, oh, like, okay, well, if progesterone is building here, I should eat these foods. Like it just hit me at 47 <laughs> that I should be eating different. I'm like, God, why didn't I know this at 16? <laughs> like we need to go teach the teenagers this. Absolutely. They need to be taught so much, really. Yeah. missed out on a lot where, you know, where, where was that gap of knowledge? Like we should have, we should have had something at least even a book. Agreed. <laughs> yes. Agreed. Agreed. All right. So talk to me then through um, the menopause rate. So these five steps, let's, let's dive into that and then the associated fasting with that. Okay, cool. So the thing at 40 that I, I, most women should realize is that your ovaries are going to make this like slow decline. Mm -hmm. So your ovaries are going to be like, hey, you know, I only got a few more eggs in here. I've given you a lot for most of your life. So I'm going to slowly back out and I'm going to hand over my job of making sex hormones to your adrenals. And then some of it gets handed over to peripheral tissues, but it's really your adrenal glands. Mm. So if you are a, and this was my scenario, as you go into the 40s, if you are maxed as far as stress goes, you're fully stressed out, you're, you know, again, not eating right, you're not fasting, you're not sleeping. Um, what happens is that the adrenals are like, hey, I, I can't make, I can't make these sex hormones. And so your adrenals struggle to keep up those sex hormones. So these five things are really meant to be lifestyle shifts that happen when you hit 40. And the first one is fasting, start fasting. There are six different fasts that I teach on my YouTube channel uh, for women and um, perimenopausal, menopausal, postmenopausal women, well, all women, but I really dive into those category of women. They all will benefit from these six different ones when done strategically. Mm -hmm. second, the second thing is we need to vary our foods. So mm -hmm. I know the ketogenic diet is really popular right now. Carnivore is really popular. In my community, we have fights against alike. Carnivores and vegans are all fighting with each other. And I'm laughing because I'm thinking, well, it's all good. They're all, they all have wonderful things to serve us. So we need to learn how to vary our food. And we, we really need to learn how to vary it if we still have a cycle according to our cycle. Then the, the third thing is our microbiome. We have, as you know, we have a whole microbiome that is specific for breaking down estrogen. 
even have a fancy fun name for it. It's called the estrobilome. <laughs> and we need to keep great care of that. So if we've been on birth control pill, if, pills, if we've been on antibiotics, those kind of things have destroyed that microbiome. So we need to bring that microbiome back. Uh, the fourth thing is we have to look at toxins. So we live in the most toxic time in human history. Uh, a lot of those toxins are stored in our bones and in our muscles, in our fat, in our tissues. And as we go through 40, now what's happening is these big hormonal swings will signal those toxins to come out. And they will go into our bloodstream, go up into our brain, the areas of the brain, hypothalamus, pituitary, pineal gland, they don't, they don't have a blood-brain barrier. So those, those toxins go up there and they throw off our sleep and our hunger and our moods and all our other hormones. So really looking at our toxic load. And then the last one is really looking at our stress patterns. If you can't, I mean, I, I, I was able to accomplish so much more at 35 than at, you know, 45. And I had to learn to say no. I had to learn to change my workouts. I loved running marathons. Now I only run like 30, you know, 30 minutes at a time. Uh, I lean more into yoga than I do into extreme athletics. And all of that is just to manage cortisol a little bit better. Yeah. So those are the five major things that have to shift. If they don't shift, and I'm sure you experience this with your clients and with your following, if, if they don't shift, then the hormonal symptoms appear, the hot flashes appear, the weight gain appears, the irritability, the lack of sleep. Yeah. But why do we call that menopause? That's not menopause, that's mismanaged menopause. <laughs> mismanaged hormones. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, I want to pull apart a few things here. Um, so firstly, let's just talk a little bit more about nutrition. So I, I totally agree with you. I think I, I get a lot of clients coming in here on various different diets. And I think, um, firstly, a lot of them are really great for fixing things. So, you know, a functional diet or an intermittent diet where they're using it to actually support. But I think where we miss is that, that benefit from each and every part of the food groups and the balance across the, the board. So I think if you're with some of those diets and you're, you're likely to be missing out on some of the benefits of some of the other foods. So I think that's really important for people to, to realize and they're really all good in their own right, but has to be suited for the person at the time of their life, at the time of everything that's going on for them. So is there anything that you think in terms of fasting, and, and diet that people should really be staying away from? Uh, well, with fasting, the perimenopausal woman, so if you still have a cycle, then you really have to mind your progesterone. So you have to remember that progesterone is going down at 40 and it's mm. just going to keep go going down. Mm. So if you still have a cycle, you're going to want to mind the longer fasts. So to me, a really good pattern of fasting is anywhere from 13 all the way up to like a dinner to dinner kind of a lot of people do one meal a day where they go 24. That's yeah. fabulous. But if you start to get really into fasting, which a lot we see in our community a lot mm -hmm. over 40 and you don't aren't careful to make sure that you're not doing a longer fast the week before your period, your hair will fall out. You'll start spotting. Uh, you'll feel really anxious so this is that, I think, as far as warnings would be with what I would say there. Yeah. Um, with food, we just, we're more insulin resistant, whether we like it or not. So carbs are not as much of our friends. So we have to be really mindful 
to um, eat nature's carbs. We may, the breads and the pastas may not serve us as well at 45 as they did at 35. The oils make a big difference, those inflammatory oils. You're losing estrogen, so you don't have as much protect, protection in your joints and your skin. So if you're not really powering up on the good oils and you're eating the bad oils, that's going to affect you. So just those two alone have a big impact. Absolutely. I love that. Um, yeah, really easy to remember too. And yeah. the clarity, some of those bad oils would be more of those cooked omega-6s. Is that where, where you... Yeah, yeah. cottonseed, the partially hydrogenated, the corn oils. Yeah, yeah, those are really... the. And unfortunately, I mean, I don't know how it is by you, but I can tell you in America, you go out to eat, you're getting that. Oh. Even at the nicest restaurants. Yeah, absolutely. Everywhere. When you see the containers of them there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, I want to step apart a little bit on the exercise. I just wanted to touch on that before I forget. So even, you know, cycling through um, before 40, going through the cycle, there's obviously different stages also that we have to be looking at for exercise. But particularly for women, I find in my clinic, the recommendation I'm always telling women is slow down, even of any age, stop exercising all the time and at the wrong times of the day as well as you know, overdoing that cortisol morning time and the high intensity exercise. So yep. what are some sort of basic, I guess, suggestions that you would say for women? I know you've touched base a little bit more on the cortisol side of things, but a little bit more detail. Yeah, so if you look at on uh, like under 40 and over 40, I actually somebody just interviewed me on how the different exercises should change over our over those decades. Yeah. And the 30 year old and the and, and under and you're in your 30s, your 20s, you can get away with more of the intense exercise. Mm -hmm. So um, because your body just can, you know, you have plenty of reserves of progesterone, just be careful to not, like, you shouldn't run a marathon the week before your period. Like, that would be a bad idea. Yeah. And in fact, I was, I was on a really interesting interview with a trainer who said that all of their elite athletes, they change their workout. And these, these elite athletes were under 40, a lot of them in their 20s, mm. that they change their workouts the week before their period. Mm. And I was like, here's a, wow. here's like a, male trainer that knows this and most women don't know this how do how is that but we really uh, the week before our period we would be the worst time to go run a marathon yeah. otherwise every else every other time you can you can really do that okay now over 40 you got to mind cord you got to mind your cortisol if it's if you're really into like extreme exercise you're going to you're going to tank progesterone much quicker than a woman who's loves her yoga mat and just wants to be on the yoga mat all the time. Yeah. So that's the, that's like the mark where things have to shift. Mm -hmm. And we already naturally feel that. Um, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if your, your clientele seen this, but you know, so many more injuries show up at like 44 or 45 because we've been doing, and I'm, I was victim of this. Like mm -hmm. I kept trying to run and do longer runs and, um, and I just kept hurting my knee and my ankle, and my hip. And the same run that I did at 35 at 45 was now injuring me. Yeah. And I started to realize, oh, this isn't serving my progesterone. It's not serving estrogen. So there had to be a shift there. Yeah. It's amazing how you say this because I get a lot of people come to me and say, I'm just getting old. Like, right. Do, you know, so I'm down the dumps and it's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm finished. Like it's over already. Yeah. I'm like, no, 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 no
constant change and then you can get the most out of this part of your life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, like at 51, uh, you know, I do yoga on Sunday. I do a 20 minute hit workout on Saturday. I go for a 30 minute run on Tuesday and, and Thursday. And I do strength training on Friday. Like it's a constant change of things so that I'm, I'm not just, and before that I was like, put on the running shoes, go for two hours or, or even, you know, yoga can be done, get in the hot yoga and do an hour and a half of heated yoga. Those kind of things are too extreme for the 40 and beyond woman. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. So I now want to dive into um, problems with fasting before I get into anything else. Um, so Firstly, where do you find in your group, in, in the people that talk to you from your books, where, is the most, where are the most issues and that sort of how you get around those with fasting? Yeah, I think the first one is what we're talking about, fasting at the wrong time. Yeah. So, so make sure you understand your mm -hmm. timing, regardless of where you are. Now, I just want to not leave out the postmenopausal women. Postmenopausal women, you don't have to think about timing, but you still have to mine progesterone. You're, it's still going down. So that would be the first thing that I see. The second thing that I see a lot is that people don't mind their food. So they go, okay, fasting is going to be great. Let me just fast away all my health problems. And this is actually one of the problems with fasting. It's so effective. You lose weight. You have great mental clarity. There's so much benefit from it that we forget that fasting heals and food heals. Mm. So when you eat, lean into foods that are going to heal you. And I, and I think that there's like dirty fasting we've, is it becoming quite a, a popular term, dirty keto. And it, just because you're fasting and you can keep your weight where, where you want it to be doesn't mean that fasting is going to save your life, that fasting is going to prevent Alzheimer's or breast cancer. You've got to mind your food. I think those are the two biggest ones. And then the third one that was really one that surprised me um, was the amount of people, and this is both men and women, that come to fasting that are already mineral deficient. And you see it when they go into fast because their hair starts falling out, they get really rapid, they almost like a thyroid storm where they have like a really rapid heart rate. Mm -hmm. And when I looked into that, I realized, at least here in America, we are the food that is being grown here is so mineral depleted with the monocropping and um, the overspraying, the tilling. We are already so mineral deficient that if we come to fasting without amping up our minerals, we're going to have a hard time. So I just tell my, I tell my group, like, assume you're mineral deficient because mm -hmm. the foods, the broccoli you're eating today has so has less vitamins and minerals than the broccoli you ate 10 years ago. So let's power up those minerals before you go into building yourself a fasting lifestyle. Yeah, 100% agree with you. Same with Australia. We have very, very poor soils. I think even, even I would say more so than America because we are a desert. Mm, oh, wow. Parts of America are a desert as well. But yeah, we, we definitely have. And again, that agriculture has taken over. So we, we always are, are very aware of that. So daily in my clinic, I'm like, minerals, 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 minerals. Yeah. Like record. <laughs> right. Me too. Me too. Uh, I, you know, people always say, what's the one, if there were one or two supplements I should take, what would they be? And one of them is always minerals. Always. And, and, and I hope in Australia here, we're really starting to see regenerative agriculture yeah. um, is starting to, 
to pop up. And I don't know if you've seen the documentary Kiss the Ground, um, but there, if you haven't, that's and every all your listeners should should watch it. So we are starting to see a, a small little movement of people that are or maybe it's even bigger than small, um, really caring about this, but. I know that uh, the Rodell Institute, uh, I interviewed one of the people uh, there in their uh, staff on their, what they're doing, and they've come up with a symbol that will go on food that acknowledges that it came from a regenerative farm, That's which amazing. will be cool. I know. Amazing. Very cool. Yeah, we, we do have some, some coming here, but I think it takes a little bit slower sometimes in Australia, but um, you know, we, are, we are definitely getting there with that as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so I, I wanted to, after, after that, I think that's really, firstly, a lot of people think that, um, especially when I speak to them about fasting, obviously that they're unsure about how long or what to do and when to do it, but they're also unsure about what to eat afterwards and how to mm. jam pack that food in afterwards. So, mm -hmm. and again, you talk about the dirty fasting. A lot of people think that they can just go and eat anything they want and they've, they've yeah. done their bit and then they can just go out and eat everything. So let's just quickly go and skim over. And I know you said there's a lot of different types of fasting that you talk about, but what are the most common fasts that people can sort of start to look into? We've, you know, there's five, two, there's intermittent hours, you know, different types of hours. And then there's stages, obviously, throughout cycles and things like that. So maybe just yeah. give me a bit of a summary. <laughs> yeah, of course. So I think the first step is intermittent fasting, 13 to 15 hours. And really what you're doing there is you're bringing inflammation down. You're training your body to, to use a whole new energy system called the ketogenic energy system or fat burner, mm -hmm. as a lot of people think about it. Um, and you're starting to improve growth hormone, although those studies were done in men, not women. I've been trying to find the studies on women on growth hormone, but they're mostly done on men. Yeah. Um, so, you're, so you're starting to get a chemical change in the body. Yeah. Um, so, and that happens 13 to 15 hours. Mm -hmm. So if that's all you do, that's phenomenal. And what would you break that with? Um, I think at that, with that type of fast, you want to realize that just something healthy, like I actually recently, I've been breaking it with a mineral rich drink, mm. um, like a, like a, a green drink or added in like, um, we've been doing these LMNT is the one I've been experimenting with like little mineral packets. Mm. Um, and then like breaking it with that, breaking it with some kind of liquid and then going into a little more, you don't really have to worry with intermittent fasting so much about like heavy, like meats or anything like that, but I like to feed my microbiome. So I'll do a salad, uh, put a lot of leafy greens in there, uh, a lot of seeds. Sometimes mm. I'll do a ha handful of nuts, um, so intermittent fasting, you can pretty much break it with anything, but mm -hmm. it's really being mindful that you're not going right into a cheeseburger like yeah. that would be, or, a, or, a, or, a, or a plate of fries that might make you a little sleepy. You might notice that, you know, your body doesn't like that so much. Exactly. So, but then as you go on, it gets more, what you break it with really starts to matter. So like at 17 hours, you turn on something called autophagy mm -hmm. and autophagy is the cell's ability to detox and repair itself. Now, autophagy is really cool because it can go from 17 to about 72 hours. You can stay in autophagy. And this is a very healing state. But here's the thing. You don't have to stay fasting to stay in autophagy. So what we recommend is if you want to keep that detox reaction of autophagy, 
break your fast at 17 hours with fat. Mm -hmm. And the reason I have people do that is you're stabilizing your blood sugar. So a lot of times fat will bring your blood sugar down. So it's not raising your blood sugar and it'll allow you to fast a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. Then a couple of hours later, lean more into low carb, kind of low protein. Autophagy is less than 20 grams. Uh, I like to keep people under 50 grams. So you, you'll end up having like one meal if you do that style. Mm-hmm. And just make sure, again, we're back at the greens, lots of vegetables, lots of fruits and minimal protein. Um, once you get over like 24 hours, yeah. you reboot your intestinal stem cells in your gut. That was actually a mouse study done out of MIT. Wow. After 24 hours, now we're really making changes to the microbiome. So I like to break my fast after 24 hours with like a cup of sauerkraut or sometimes I'll do like a lower sugared kombucha or we have some like kefir yogurt. So you're adding back, think of it like this, like you've totally evened the playing field in the microbiome. You brought the bad guys down, you've changed, you've created these stem cells where the intermucosal lining can really receive those those, uh, uh, probiotic rich foods. So I like people breaking it with a fermented food after that. Now, we do have the case of like people with SIBO and stuff like that have to be mindful. Mm-hmm. Um, but even like a cup of bone broth where you're getting the glycine and the broth, it can be really great. Anything over 24 hours, just be mindful that you are repairing your microbiome. It's mm-hmm. like you took your, your vegetable garden, you added a bunch of fertilizer, and now what are you going to plant? And, and that is where you really have to be aware is anything post 24 hours. Okay. So with the 24 hour one, how many, how many times in a year would you be doing something like that or even longer and how long would it be? Yeah, it's a great question. Yeah. So uh, tw- a lot of our, our community will do a 24 hour once a week. Mm-hmm. So it really becomes most of our community, I would say the women over 40 do like intermittent fasting about 15 hours. Sometimes if they're busy, they'll go 17. And then one day a week, they go longer. Uh, the variation that I encourage women to do is what we call a 5-1-1, where five days a week, you're intermittent fasting, 13 to 15 hours. One day a week, you push that fast, get try to get to, to 24. And then one day a week, you don't fast. The, um, what we are made for is metabolic switching. So we're made to go into these fasted states and then come out of it, which is why I encourage the one day where you don't fast. Mm -hmm. And it's a little bit like mimicking cave women, right? Mm -hmm. We came out, we get in the primal days, we came out of the cave. We didn't have refrigeration. We didn't have a pantry. We didn't have, right. We didn't, we had to go hunt for food. So, and then when we, when we got food, we ate a lot of it. We feasted. So, and this is how we can start to balance hormones is by going into this feast famine cycling where we're doing this metabolic switching in that switching is where healing happens. Mm-hmm. So the one back to a couple of questions you had earlier, which was like, is there anything we should know about fasting? And the big thing is you fall in love with it so much that you think that's the only way you're supposed to be. <laughs> and that's not it. That's not it either. You need to know how to go in and out of these different states. Yeah. Okay. So for those out there like me, who like to be a bit extreme in some cases, how, how long is too long? (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, okay, so the, that takes us to like the three-day water fast or, the, or longer than that. A um, couple other cool marks. One of my favorite fasts is actually the 48-hour fast because they have found that the dopamine pathways in the brain, not only do you open up receptor sites for dopamine, but you create new receptor sites for dopamine. Wow. So this is a big issue for women over 40. I can't tell you how many women I've sat with, and I'm sure you've had this experience as well that are like, I don't know, I just don't experience joy like I used to experience it. There's nothing really going on in my life. I just don't have that joyful uh, like exuberance about around me. That's where the 48 hour fast is phenomenal because you start to repair those, those dopamine receptor sites. Then at, at three, three days you get stem cells and the longer you start to stay, so like um, I used a five-day water fast to heal an Achilles tendon injury because I knew that those stem cells would be there to go and heal that in injury. It was profound. I, I, I threw everything out it. I finally just said, forget it. I'm going to fast. I did five days, injury gone, never came back. Amazing. So that's where you can go into the longer fast. Um, what is To answer your question, what is too long? You know, if you go over three days, you, you need to be looking at your blood sugar and your ketones. You really need another person's brain on it. You should have somebody coaching you through it. Um, I've seen women go 14 days. I've seen, uh, I have a good friend that went 21 days and claims that she um, cured all her hormonal issues, but I don't recommend that. I think three to five days is about where I'm like, that's max. We don't need to do much more. Yeah, I would agree with you there. <laughs> um, so one more question on the fasting side of things um, before I just want to dive into some more hormone questions. When So we've got this, um, you know, bulletproof, we've got, um, you know, coffee fasting, we've got all these things. So what, what's okay in, in, your, in your mind about the fasting? What's allowed, what's not allowed in terms of black coffee, butter, coffee, all these sorts of things, as well as anything else additional that people might want to add in while they're fasting. Yeah. It's, you know, I do a, uh, I do a YouTube live every Thursday and I swear every Thursday I get the coffee question. I'm like, okay, here we go. Everyone's confused. Um, they're like, oh, what am I doing here? Everyone's saying it's right. good, it's bad. It's like taking this on. Yeah. So it's a great, it's a, it's a legit question. I mean, it's a really good question. Okay. So all these studies that I'm, that I'm quoting, I just want to point out that there was no coffee involved. Yeah. So if you're trying to mimic a, a, um, one of these studies, you have to realize like the intestinal stem cell stu study, they didn't really give, there was no coffee there. So you're now veering off what the scientific literature says. Yeah. Now, having said that, if you just take a concept like autophagy, mm. uh, a coffee can actually stimulate autophagy. Right. So you could almost double up those two hacks where you're going into the 17 hour fast to get autophagy and you're having black coffee mm. and you're having it mold free, chemical free, like it needs to be pure coffee. And now you actually can continue with autophagy mm -hmm. um, with ketones. If you're trying to get ketones and you're trying to just be a fat burner with these fasts then that's where the bulletproof, the butter, the MCT oil, the cream actually can help you. Mm. So you end up being able to fast longer because you do have the crutch of that uh, coffee. And we have seen some literature that shows that MCT oil specifically 
will get you it, uh, producing ketones quicker. When you start to produce ketones, those ketones go up into the brain and they turn off, turn off the hunger hormone. Yeah. And when that hunger hormone turns off, now fasting gets a lot easier. Mm. So if you're trying to be as pure as possible, the answer is no, don't do coffee, don't do all that. If you're trying to stimulate autophagy, leave the cream out. Um, and if you're just trying to get ketones and be a fat burner, I actually think some of those can be helpful tools. Okay. So when you're talking hormonal regulation through fasting, do you think the, the purest way is the only way to do it when you're trying to get those hormonal changes? No, I think no, because yeah, I think it, it what I, my, my hope is that women will start to build what I call a fasting lifestyle. Yeah. And that's really three things that you're varying your fast, you're varying your food and you're doing it around community, that you're doing health in a community. Yeah. So I, I, in order to do that, it's, we got to be flexible. So if you want your coffee, sometimes have your cup of coffee. If you are like, hey, I just really need to clean up and balance those hormones out and really be pure this week, then leave the coffee out. So somehow we got to go back to a little more flexibility. Um, and I think that it, you can still balance hormones without uh, having to be so pure. And yet I do think the purity does help at times. Yeah. I, one of the things I wrote in my book that was like an aha for me mm. was that we, we have this hierarchy of hormones mm. where if you're trying to balance your sex hormones, you really need to balance insulin and you can balance insulin using your buttered coffee. No problem. But if you want to balance insulin, you also need to keep cortisol in check. If your cortisol levels are too high. So this is where the stress of being too rigid with your food, the person who is like, I have to do it this way. You're spiking cortisol because you're not really having fun with it. You're just, you're overly stressed about, did you do it right? Yeah. And then the beauty above cortisol is oxytocin. So this is why I love doing it in community. And as women, we're so good at this is like when you're connecting, even in like a Zoom call like this, or you go home and you call your, your favorite friend, you go and out with the girlfriends to a movie and you laugh, like we don't realize, we don't give that enough credit. Like that connection, those oxytocin boosts are balancing cortisol, helping us, our fasting is a lot easier. And then when that's easier, the sex hormones get balanced out. So good, so good. I totally agree with you on that. And it, the extremes can be really troublesome um, for some yep. people because of the fact that they they get really caught in anything, you know, even just um, a simple diet, that's the only way to do it. You know, and I find this rigid mentality throughout yep. a lot of where people are doing. And so I particularly am very careful with the way I word things towards clients. You know, this is just a very short period of time. We're going to have to be doing something like this. But you need to be flexible. If you want a little bit of chocolate, have a little bit of chocolate. But yeah. Make it better. You know, make it the best version of that chocolate that you can have. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, so, I, so well said. I, um, I believe in a food value system. Mm. We should all have a personal value system for ourselves. Like, what am I willing to eat? What am I not? Yeah. Chocolate, I am any day of the week willing to eat yeah, chocolate. <laughs> but if you walked into my if you walked into my house right now, you would see it as the highest quality with you know the best ingredients. I you will not find me munching on a Hershey's bar. No mm -hmm. no offense to Hershey's, but um, I will not be putting synthetic chemicals into my body, especially at 51. Yeah. But when you've got those better versions available to us and the ones that are, you know, chitamine and andamide, chitamine 
the, the you know all your feel good hormones and giving you magnesium and why would yeah. you the best you know like yeah the best <laughs> yeah and I think we I love this idea I was um talking with somebody this morning and they say, I like to teach my patients to be curious. Mm. Like, ah, that's really good. We should be curious with everything I'm saying here yes. and it should be playful. And we should know that there are times to do it, that it's great. And there's times that you don't do it and that's okay. Yes. Because the minute we go into that rigidity and needing to control our food and our fasting, we've now spiked cortisol. Yes. And now you've just, you ruined the whole process of what you're trying to do. But I also have compassion for the fact that it's a lot easier if I just stand up here and I say, eat this, don't eat that. Yeah. Um, it, it, you're, we're really in a gray area, but every woman has to find that for herself. And I've seen people even with eating disorders that once they learn these principles, it can actually become playful. It's the, it's the minute we put the absolutes in that we're going to tank our hormones. Yeah. I totally agree with you. I'm so on board with all of that. So, so I'm not keeping you too long, Wendy. I just want to touch on a few other questions that I actually have around the hormones. So awesome. with, with hormonal balancing for menopausal women, where is your opinion on, on um, bioidentical hormones or any other additions to that? Or do you feel that that sort of fasting can sort a lot of those sorts of things out? So I just wanted to ask you that question. Yeah, it's a great question. And mm -hmm. I honestly is one I asked myself as I was going through this journey. Um, I think first and foremost, we need to d balance our lifestyle. So the challenge we have with those bioidenticals with HRT is they are um, a, a quick escape route. And so we can take that pill, feel instantly better, and then we're not forced to change our lifestyle. Why I wrote the menopause reset is that I started to do the research and see that we had more women getting breast cancer, more women getting ovarian cancer, more women, Alzheimer's, dementia, and cardiovascular disease post-menopausal. Mm. So if you rush to get something that's going to correct those hormones and, it, and you didn't use a lifestyle change to make that happen, you are setting yourself up for those diseases down the road. Yeah. So I really like starting with those five steps that I talked about. Yeah. Now, after you do that, a bioidentical, I get it. Like, I mean, it's menopause is an extreme sport. And there are times that you're like, give me the escape route. You know, <laughs> I just want the quick thing. And, and if that's going to help balance out your hormones so that you can have better relationships, so that you can feel better, do it, but then please be aware that it that you still have this lifestyle that has to be corrected. Yeah. Now with HRT, I'm not a fan. There's too many risks with it. So the risk benefit analysis is, is just too great for me. Mm -hmm. um, but bioidenticals, the risk is a little less. The only risk is that you will go numb to, to what your natural way of being should, should be and that you will forget about these five things you got to change. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because that constant presence of needing to work on something keeps you on track. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I've there. We've had uh, in my little functional medicine doctor group, we've had discussions about going down to Mexico and getting stem cells and all these things that will slow the aging down. And I've been like, yeah, it's, that's attractive. And then I go, no, wait. Then I lose sense of what is going to work in my lifestyle and what's not. 
Um, and I think that's like the postmenopausal woman who has hot flashes. Mm. If I just give her HRT, I didn't solve her lifestyle. We need to get that lifestyle fixed first so that we don't end up with these diseases later. Yeah, the quick band-aid fixes. And I, I, I believe that too. But I question sometimes whether we, you know, so for, for example, for brain optimization and other, you know, organ optimization for the body, uh, would a little bit of support from bioidentical hormones help us get that longevity that we want? And that's sort of the question that I have around all this is like, yeah. is it worth intervening a little bit to try and you know, or is the lifestyle and or is the fasting and all is everything else that we're doing in terms of diet going to be enough? So yeah. that's sort of something I'm always it, thinking. It's a, it's a dilemma. I have a good yeah. friend who's a naturopath in Vancouver and um, she, she, in fact, she just wrote a book on hormones and trauma mm -hmm. and um, she's 40. And so we've chatted a lot about the, this exact topic. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's really, really seductive to try to reach for it. And that would be lovely. And you, I, I think we just want to make sure we can always stay in touch with, you know, if I um, had too much wine or if I had a late night or if I fasted at the wrong time, will I have a sense of whether I did that right? Like, I don't want to lose my self-regulation. Yeah. Um, so it's a tough decision and I, a personal one for sure. Every woman just has to decide where she sits. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Interesting to be discussing, I think, and just talking about yeah. it in a way and that, that, that preparation time for a lot of women. Yeah. I think the other, lifestyle to get there is one of the first things. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing is, I don't know if you do this, but um, I run a hormone test on myself every year. Mm. So um, yeah. I, I've been, the Dutch is my yeah. favorite. And I just decided that's the way I'm going to keep an eye on making sure that my hormones are where I want to be. Um, I also recently did thermography, um, a full body thermography, just to make sure there's no cancer and breast cancer or ovarian cancer. Ovarian actually runs in my family. Mm -hmm. um, I run blood work on myself every year. So I have like these little things where I could course correct if need be. Yeah. Um, and I find that that is, is to date has been really helpful. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think we need to be keeping track of those things because tweaking really early, those little deficiencies or hormonal issues can be really important and much easier at that point rather than waiting for the end. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Agreed. yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, Mindy, talk me through some of your um, you know, things that you're doing at the moment. You've got a wonderful research podcast and all your books. Give me a little bit of rundown of where to find you, what you're up to, what's coming next. There's always there's always something. Yeah. Um, I always people are always like, "Gosh, you do a lot." I'm like, "Yeah, well, my kids are 21 and 18; they don't need me anymore." Um, so you can find everything on my website. That's the first place to go. The Menopause Reset comes out in, on April 6. I think we've probably sent you guys a link on that. So um, that book is really a passion project to my following because I went to YouTube sort of sharing everything that I was doing in my own life to correct my hormones. And people were like, could you put it in a book? Could you put it in a book? So um, it's a book that you could pick up and read in 48 hours and off you can go. Um, so that it, you can find either in a link, I think the men, I don't know what it'll be in Australia, but it's the menopause reset book.com. Okay. Um, the, my YouTube channel, that is also a passion project. I put out two videos every week. 
many, it's all on fasting, many on women in fasting. So you can go there and um, get, check that out. You can listen, uh, listen to my podcast kind of everywhere. And uh, <laughs> the book that will come out next year is going to be around uh, women under 40 and how to use fasting around her cycle. So stay tuned for that. Wonderful. I look forward to reading all of it. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank and, you. Yeah, amazing work. But I think your, your kudos to the fact that once you balance your lifestyle, once you get everything in order, you, you can think straight, you can focus yes. and you can delegate or you can and utilize your time effectively. And it doesn't yes. feel like too much because you're managing everything really well, but you love yeah. it and you want to do yeah. it. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's, you know, like when I did these five things, like the three o'clock afternoon crash went away. Uh, my mental clarity just got so, was just so sharp. I was able to retain information like I'd never been able to retain before. So I think we just haven't, we, we can't accept that as we age, we're supposed to decline so quickly, and especially not in our 40s and 50s. No so we have these like uh, societal uh, myths around menopause that we are supposed to slow down, that we're supposed to lose our mind, that we're supposed to become anxious and irritable, that we're supposed to gain weight. And that's not the truth at all. Mm. And that's why if you change your lifestyle, then you'll start to see just, you know, once you, when, like when you get into your 50s, this is our, our time we should be enjoying life the most. Our kids are out of the house. Yeah. We have all this wisdom. Many people are at the height of their careers. This is when we should be like stepping in to the most fun part of our life. We shouldn't be dealing with hair falling out and hot flashes and weight gain. Mm -hmm. And if we change that lifestyle in 40, then you really get that ex the different experience at 50. Yeah. Amazing. And thank you for doing this, Mindy, because oh, thank the amount you. of questions I get from women who are struggling with exactly everything you've spoken about they're going to love this. They're going to love your book. And um, I hope to catch up again more with you and talk more about any other questions. And But the YouTube, like, amazing. People can just go yeah. on and actually learn straight away. Yeah, you can just go straight yeah. to YouTube and binge watch all the and, and I put in the notes all the science studies. So if you want to go and, and then end up, go from there down a, a path of PubMed and look at all the studies, you can do that. <laughs> Enjoy. <laughs> yeah, incredible. Thank you so much, Mindy. Um, I look yeah. forward to chatting with you again soon. And um, yeah, again, thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Revital Health Podcast. We hope you enjoy this episode. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Revital Health, as well as our website, revitalhealth.com.au, for upcoming podcasts, workshops, and speaking events. Find out about specials happening in the clinic and all the show notes and links mentioned in the podcast. Please remember that this information discussed here is general information and it is not intended to diagnose or treat individuals. Please speak to your healthcare professional before embarking on any new treatments, lifestyle changes, medicines or supplementation to assess your suitability. Have a wonderful day and we'll see you again soon.